Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to the Psychic Coffee Shop Podcast Network. okay and recovering fine um it's not been beautiful we've had to go back um oh my god we've made so many trips um yeah yeah it's been a week um so yeah so sunday night we ended up back at morgantown and then that led to um, getting an appointment on Wednesday, but and I still have my appointment coming up, and yeah. So we're going to end up doing, like, so many trips to Morgantown this month. It is just crazy. Um, well, this month, because we just got it. I don't know. I'm confused. Like, my days are bleeding together. Um, Mm -hmm. But, yeah. No, so, yeah. The last time I had a C5-6 fusion, it was no big deal. Like, I had, like, a tiny little spot of, like, I, yeah, this is gross. But anyway, I had, a, like, the, the normal healing process and just had the one little spot that occasionally had, like, a drop. Like, you know, like, I was wearing a Band-Aid for a couple of weeks. Not this time. Like, last time I was driving within, like, a week or something, and it was no big deal, and, yeah. This time has been totally different with the C six seven. Um it's just oh my god, what are we doing? Um yeah. It's yeah. but no, technically nothing's gone wrong. Nothing's exactly mm-hmm. nothing's really bad. Um, but we're just keeping a really close eye on it and making sure that this is all gonna go continue going well. Um, there's a possibility I might need some antibiotics, but that's looking less and less. Um, so ultimately, I 
think we're starting to get on track. Like, I'm really afraid to say those words at this point. It's just kind of scary. But, you know, we've done what we can do. But we're hanging in there. Um, I know you are so exhausted because in the midst of all this, in the midst of all this, so, like, I'm over here dealing with my own medical crazy drama thing stuff. I'm relying on you to to be my driver and get me everywhere I need to be when I need to be there. And you've been so awesome with that. And then meanwhile, um, mm-hmm. yeah, because of course, like the 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 weekend that. Like everything's been going fine. We we you know kind of cleared the majority of two weeks for um, uh, my initial recovery. Um, but you still had commitments and stuff that you had to do, and we thought this would all be fine. This will be fine. It's no big deal. Don't worry about it. It'll all be great. And of course, your week was pure garbage. Um like last week leading up to Sunday. Um, you know, we like we go out for ice cream and we end up having finding out that there's a screw in the tire. So we have to replace tires on the car. Uh-huh. And then turn around. Like you're trying to get that done and got that done miraculously last Friday night. And yeah, it's just yeah. So then you turn around Saturday. Inter- do what now? It's been interesting. It's been one of those crazy things because, of course, you know, my normal recor- recourse is from the from July to mm-hmm. November. Nobody's allowed to move. Nothing is majorly importantly booked. It is the season. I am on the road. And yet I have answered. Yeah. You know, so oh, we took yeah. September off, and I thought, oh, this would be easy. You know, they'll do do your surgery. Think will be okay. You know, you know, you're telling me, oh, it ain't that bad. It won't be that bad. Oh, you're over preparing. You're over planning. And it's like, ah, told you. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, even in the beginning, it was fine. It was fine. Uh-huh. Like. And it's still not horrific. It's just nothing's worked out for you this week. Like, I keep waiting for you to be like, I'm going to bed. I am waking up whenever I feel like it. And we'll try again next week. Like, Uh I've been waiting for that sentence. I've just been waiting for, like, just cancel everything. I I can't deal I'm done. Uh-huh. I'm going to bed. I give up. Uh-huh. I, I'll try well, again because, next week. Yeah. Um, that'll come. But that'll come mm-hmm. after the season's over. After I've done all the interviews. After I've dealt with all the protesters, which we'll get to in a minute. Oh, it yeah. It was a very yeah. crazy freaking week, you know. Um <laughs> And normally everything, you know, because I'm dealing with all three businesses again. Yeah. By myself. You know, you're, well, you're yeah. handling the phone a little 
that you're doing some, you know, some answering in the calls, but, you know, I'm hitting the road. I'm back, you know, blasting music at the top of the stereo, you know, rocking it. Mm-hmm. And everyone is kind of looking at me like, are you okay? And it's you know, like, no, uh, you know, no, I'm not. I'm not okay. Uh-huh. Internally. And, and then externally, it's like, no, it's fine. I'm great. It's fine. Uh-huh. It's fine. Right. It's and, wonderful. Yeah, it's yeah. great. And, you know, and I have that smile of, oh, this will be great. Um, you know, this will be fine. I'll get through this. Oh, the event's been, you know, extended. Lovely. You know, I, you know, my planner looks like it's bleeding. Lovely. And I enjoy that. I'm used to being, you know, for 13 years of this company, I was the only one in it. Yeah. Well, no, it's just been, but it has been, it's been a lot. They're like, because, I mean, like this weekend alone, just the crap you were dealing with. And then, and I mean, granted, one of the, one of the problems from this weekend was just kind of an up, um, as in, you know, you kind of had this moment of an event was like you had talked about it and yeah that'd be awesome we should do that and then it really like didn't work out because of you know another uh, party to the event and it was like that's Mm -hmm. okay that's cool because it's right in the middle of like your surgery stuff so it'll be awesome um glad we're not doing that and then turn mm-hmm. around and it's like, oh well, you know, someone had, uh, you know, got space for this event, and, um, you know, they've had to bow out. Um, so now, mm-hmm. they, and they've given us their registration. You know, we can go in their behalf, and mm-hmm. to take off to that, only to find out there was some, you know, miscommunication there or lack thereof, as in thereof. it was just kind of a assumed, yeah, that, you know, this would all be fine while in, you know, hunky-dory, only to find out there was already another terror reader that was going to be there, and the event organizer is like, no way is this going to happen. Um, right. So, yeah, that was the beginning of Sunday. That wasn't even, um, the, that wasn't even the fun one. You know, that's the day well, after. Yeah, that wasn't the fun one. Yeah, that's the day after, but I know we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that. Um, I'm just trying to set the before and after stage. Like, you're already yeah. exhausted. Saturday occurred, and we're getting to that. We we don't mean to sound like, you know, must-see TV cliffhanger, but we're getting there. We're getting there. Then after, you, you roll into another event that isn't what you expected at all. You literally got there, was, like, set up even. Then found out and just turned around and came home. And yeah, yeah, it was yeah. And then turn around and it's like I don't feel so well. 
So then you have to, like, track down the, you know, number for my doctor's office and talk to them. And then we took off to Morgantown, the ER. And, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, yeah. I have to give it to you, your doctor, a real, your doctor's mm-hmm. office, not really your doctor. It's not mm-hmm. often you get an ASA on the other side of the phone going, look here. Here's the vitals. Here's the statistics. Here's the information. Mm-hmm. Tell me what you want me to do, or this like, is yeah. what you're going to do. Is my normal comment to them. Um, yeah. You know, so instead, you know, you know, I think the resident was a little taken back. Um, we had had an issue with this office in general. Oh. Um, well, we've had a few. This has not been, like, the easiest office to deal with. Like, they're very, like, they're kind of acting like they're running around doing, like, you know, Botox. And it's right. like, no, you're doing spinal surgery. I need a little more here. Like, I, 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 I need a little more. Um, you know, a little more accessibility, a little more accountability, a little more responsiveness, a little like I just need more. Um, because they are they're they're very you know, and this is WVU. I'll I'll just put it out there. This is WVU, and I think the problem they've run into is the problem that a lot lot of hospitals and major medical facilities run into is that and any large business runs into is you end up with people that that have very defined functions. And mm-hmm. you're spreading that across multiple facilities. You know, you have a scheduling department. You don't have, you know, this kind of multitasking person in a front office who, yeah, checks people in, checks people out, pulls some medical records, deal with do- deals with other doctors, blah, 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 blah. You have an entire department that does this one thing, and then you have this other department that does this one thing, and so you have a lot of people that are are very good at their jobs. They really are, but they don't understand what you know this department does, or that department does, or this you know function clinic does. Like and they have trouble cross communicating, um, and, and then it especially becomes problematic for patients within that clinical setting. Um, in my case, the spine clinic. Um, that they're getting information third hand or fourth hand even. Um, there's and there's just a lot of confusion happening there. There's, you know, not this kind of ability for one person who's a little cross-trained, at least enough to kind of get a get a handle on it, that you can really, like, immediately approach by phone and be like, hey, here's what's going on. Help me out here. Or what do I need to do? Or can you get me in touch with someone that can help me? Um, because they don't have that ability. Because this is one department, like, 
five blocks away or wherever. Um, and they may have never met anyone in that office, and they don't even understand really what they're doing or who they're talking to or what's going on. They're not medically trained. They're not whatever. And so, yeah, they're just kind of over here like, I do this. This is the thing I do. Mm-hmm. I, and then they're having to deal with us, and they're like, I don't know how to help you. Like, I can offer you this, 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 or this. And it's like, none of that helps me right now. And they're like, okay, yeah. well, I can send a message. And it's like, well, I can send a message too, and they'll reply to me in three days. Mm-hmm. You know. And I'm like, do I, I need like, to call a board yeah. member? Yeah, really. You know, I have no problem picking up the phone and calling a, you know, and I think that they're not used to that, um, that mentality of, do I need to call a trustee? I have their home phone numbers. I will call a trustee. Yeah. Well, you know. Well, and that also, yeah, you're right. That doesn't happen a lot. And also, it's just more importantly, I don't think they think about it a lot. Um, and again, that's kind of the problem when you're you're kind of sitting over here in your own little world, and you're scheduling appointments or your reception, and you know your multi departmental reception. You know you don't really understand what's going on, and I can't hold that against someone. Like I I, I really can't. Right. Although I can go back you know, and go back into my past. And I I had a wonderful boss that said to me many, many years ago when I was doing reception, do the legwork. Find out. Call, don't just give someone a number and pass them along. Because ultimately what happens is if they get to the right person, and when they get there, this person is now so irate and broken and upset and exhausted and just pissed off, the person that they finally needed to get to, that they've gotten to, if they get there, has to do so much more work. Because they're not just dealing with the original problem and what was originally going on that prompted them to call. You know, and if you realize you're already getting them four layers into this, you know, that they called this office and that office told them to call this office and this office is now telling them to call you or, you know, however many iterations of that there is, they're increasingly getting more distressed. And their mm-hmm. problem is growing because their anxiety around it is growing because they're not able to just get where they need to be. Um, right. And so do the legwork for them. Like if you think that the appropriate answer is for them to call this department and talk to this person, do it on their behalf. 
Because what you're most likely going to find is either they've already tried that or you could be very, very, very wrong. That it makes perfect sense, you would think, and this was a college environment, um, Mm -hmm. you know, that it makes perfect logical sense that if you tell this person with this problem to call this department, that that department can help them. And one, you're never going to find out you're wrong unless you do the legwork and you call them and say, hey, I've got a student and this is their situation and this is what's going on. And, you know, are you the right person for them to talk to and what, you know, what what can we do for them? Um, Mm -hmm. And she was absolutely, totally, 100% on the money right. I don't know how many times, and she was totally supportive, I ended up in a rabbit hole for someone Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that, you know, the logical parts of this that I start trying to work through it to, to get to the right person to help them. And it just turned into this never ending. Well, I understand your issue, but actually I can't do anything to help you. You need to talk to this department. And then you call that department and they go, well, that's not really my area. You need to call this department because technically they handle this and not us. And then on and on and on and on. Three hours, four hours, five hours of phone calls later. I finally reached the person that can handle this seemingly not that complex situation. But because it straddles lines or it's not, like, you know, posted on the website FAQ level issue, um, which I have my own issue with FAQs, but that's a whole different show. Um, But because it's not that level of, you know, like instant easy answers that, you know, 85% 85% of people are going to run into this or 50% of people are going to run into this. If it starts into that marginal, like margin of error, 4%, 3%, 10% of people will ever have this problem, which I, my post-surgical situation is exactly that. Um, no one has a quick, easy answer. No one person actually can deal with that. Um, Or there is that person, but it's not necessarily obvious. Right. Or it's a situation. And this is, you know, I've ran into this multiple times, and I tell people all the time, especially Mm -hmm. in this setting, you have 200 plus patients. I have three. (laughs) Who's got more time for research? Well, and is and most certainly there's that, um, and I well, but even in in the college situation, uh, we're sitting there. Our department wasn't huge, you know, MBA student mm-hmm. services. Um, we didn't have a ton of people enrolled in the program. I mean, I I think it was somewhere in the two hundred, um, if I remember right. Maybe maybe I don't know. Um, like a lifetime ago, 
Um, but it wasn't like the biggest department on campus, but we had a few different people and we had a lot of moving parts. You know, it's not just the one program even. There, there was MBA student services, the normal MBA, and then there's the um, BASF students and the second cohort students. Um, you had some students coming direct from their undergrad, which was very atypical. You had your more traditional um, adult education, um, which is what we were primarily focused at. People who had gotten their degree, gone out into the business world, and were now looking to level up. Um, and then you had a, a, a whole different program. Um, that we were also managing, which was a post-baccalaureate certificate program. All of this stuff going on, and meanwhile, you have transfer students and um, international students and just on and on and on and on and on. Like, one, I never knew what I was getting into when I went into work. It was amazing, Um, just for that alone. Like, I would go in and my day, like, I couldn't predict. I couldn't tell you what my day was going to be. I went in. It was all new. It depended upon who called and asked for what. Mm-hmm. I loved it. I love that kind of, like, go figure it out. Like, I have no help to give you. No one's ever asked that question. I've got nothing for you. Go explore the world. Love it. Um, Mm -hmm. And I thrived on it. Um, And I had an amazing boss that totally supported that. And call anyone. I don't care who you call. Pick some people off. Do what you got to do. And I did. And I found problems all over that campus. And, you know, and again, brought those to my, well, not again, but in general, brought those to my boss again and again. Um, And there were things that ultimately ended up changing because when you sit there and you follow these processes through and, like, you know, someone thankfully hit our office um, and I went down the rabbit trail and I'm sitting here and I'm documenting this stuff, you know, that I had to call, like, Ten different offices to finally figure out there's this one human being over in a corner on the other side of campus with the weirdest name position I've ever heard of that deals with that, that no one knows about, that everyone else is kind of like bouncing me all over the place, and this is what someone in this situation goes through. Like, we're losing students. We're losing people. We're picking people off. Um, I, I loved it. But so few businesses will do it. So few hospitals will do that legwork, especially when they get to this major medical facility, multi-property, uh, multi-location, multiple uh, specialities, multiple, like, so many moving parts, no one ever goes there. No one ever deals with that. No one wants to deal with that because ultimately everyone knows what they're going to find is what I've used to find, is that you're going to spend hours doing that. And meanwhile, 
Meanwhile, because that's a back ahead thought. You know it, but you don't want to ever admit it. Um, you know mm-hmm. it's there. You know it's there. You know it's there. You know you've gotten too big. You know the shit occurs. But no one wants right. to deal with it. No one wants to talk to people and call department after department after department to finally get to the right place. Um, mm-hmm. And no one wants to be the bearer of this news. Like, right. there's so, like, I didn't, and I didn't appreciate that necessarily back in the day when I had this amazing boss who let me go down these rabbit trails um, and then went off with this information to change the world, uh, at least the world of the campus, uh, you know, in any way she could. And I didn't appreciate at the time that this wasn't how business worked. This isn't even how most college campuses work, that there are very few people that want to go out there and be this person, not the person on the phone and most certainly not the person who has a nice, nice job that now is going to turn around and start telling departments, hey, you're screwing up over here. Y'all don't know what you're doing. You're sending people on wild goose chases. You're picking people off. You're making these people's lives miserable because no one wants to hear that about their job, that they're part of a system that drives people up a wall, that, that can potentially push someone out a window because they're not taking the time to understand that when they're passing people along, they're sometimes sending them on an endless journey. That, you mm-hmm. know, sometimes the things I found, it was pure dumb luck. Like, I just gave up and dialed a random number, or felt like it. Like, this is so tangential. Let me just try this one. Like, I don't know how it could be this department, but let me try it anyway. And lo and behold, they either got me to the right place or they were the right place. Bam, you're there. Um, You know, and I'm kind of taking that with me. And the first job I had, it was totally unappreciated. Let me tell you, I spent a lot of time kind of getting beaten around. Um, because I'm sitting here telling people that, hey, here's what's going on. This is what you're doing. This is what this looks like. Like, do you understand? We have clients getting ready to fire us because they can't get you to answer a phone. No one wants to hear that because it makes them look bad or feel bad or they're afraid it makes them look bad or, or whatever, that they could lose their job. And it's like, no, or it, more importantly, no, it shouldn't be. It should be, hi, we have a problem, let's fix it. You know, let's, mm-hmm. let's, let's be real here. Like, don't be mad at the person who's caught in the middle of this that didn't know. Don't mm-hmm. be mad at me for finding it. I mean, hi, I'm trying to help here. Like, retain the client. This is the important part. Learn, grow, change. Do something different. Make this better. Don't sit here and live in cower and fear of losing your job 
or looking for someone to blame for it. Like, stop mm-hmm. doing that. I wish the world would stop doing it. Like, quit trying right. to do that. Um, and just start being honest with this is an imperfect process. We know it's an imperfect process. It has to be an imperfect process. But it can always mm-hmm. get better. Tell us what's going on. But right. Again, so few companies want to go there. They don't want to deal with it. They don't want to hear it. They don't want to, like, as long as they're making money, I guess it's okay. You know. Right. But the other side of that is, is I don't think that, I don't think they're, the reason, and I really don't have a major problem with most of WVU, because it's a process. I know this process. I can walk around this process. I know where the loopholes are in this process. I have no problem taking on this process. But it's like they don't get it any longer, or they're afraid to see what happens when, you know, I've had it. Because, yeah, I'm more educated than you are. Yeah, I know more about this. Gee, you know, I was here way before you even thought about this career. I find out a lot of or times. more importantly, just the turnover. Just the turnover. Now, you know, hi, you don't have career nurses anymore that walk in straight off the, the uh, you know, drawing juice from an orange and retire, you know, mm-hmm. 40 years later. You don't have a lot of those left, if any, in some of these locations. I mean, my God, my doctors are just either barely older than me, if not so much younger than me, I don't even know sometimes. Like, I, as in, I don't know how to deal. Um, you know, it's like, I, uh, but, you know, it, it, it's what it is now. You don't have a lot of career yeah. nurses that have been there and done this and been in the same facility and watched it grow and change and morph and become this behemoth and, you know, can tell you how to get there from here. Because, again, right. you've also lost that front office staff. You've lost those right. frontline people and that knowledge, and there's this massive brain drain. But, yeah, anyway, so, and the upside is you've been there and you've done it and you've had the process experience, and I'm thankful for that mm-hmm. because it has helped right. us navigate. Um, right. I just worry about this everyone else. We well, uh, that I do too, especially when they don't even know the side effects of things. They're like, oh, well, we never saw that. And I'm like, <laughs> do you read your research? Or do you just do whatever well, the reps at? Okay, I'll make a small devil's advocate moment here. I'm the weirdo. Like, and we try to warn my doctors. We try to warn anywhere I go. I'm the weirdo. I'm just going to tell you now. Forget those top 90% people have a problem. If people have a problem with this, this is what the problem is. Forget that. Move on down the list to that, like, Less than 10%. Less than 10% say. Of, you know, people who have a problem will have this problem. Move to that segment. That's where my problems will be. I am in that 10%. I will promise you, if there is a weirdo, half-baked, doesn't seem real, we're not even sure that it is, 
but because there was a controlled study through the FDA, we have to include this information. I'm that dude. I'm always that dude. Like, I don't have normal side effects. I don't have normal reactions to crap. I have that you've got to be kidding me reaction to stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I know a lot of people claim to be medication sensitive, but quite frankly, anyone who's ever had to deal with me quickly figures out that, oh, yeah. Um, like this apple cart upsets for next to nothing. Next to nothing. Right. You know, but it, it is a mouse that. elephant situation over here. Right. But the other side of that, and the problem that has been in this process, is mm-hmm. up until we got your legal paperwork, they wouldn't deal with me. Like, they purposely left me out. Because they don't want to deal with me. Because, um, yeah, I'm that bitch. Um, well, and sometimes I wonder about that. Like, I don't know that it's necessarily just the paperwork. I think there was also just this total missing, or like, I don't know, and I've run into this, and I always run into it in West Virginia. Um, there's always this assumed heterosexuality. That, like, Mm -hmm. it doesn't enter people's heads. Like, they're just so clueless. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't think, like, I don't even think it was the paperwork that clued them in. I think it was that pre-surgical moment. Like, Uh it wasn't until they, like, you kissed me on the way to surgery that they finally got it. But it was like, oh... Now I get it. Like, I think that was the moment. I really do. I think it was the moment where the light bulb went off and went, oh, got it now. Get it, got it, understand it. Right. Um, you know. Because this I, and is I think much part of it. Much better. Um, oh, yeah. But also, they were looking at me going, uh, uh, uh. And it's the response I get from a lot of doctors of like, who let this? What do you, let me go check that out. Oh, you got to be making this up. Oh, no, I don't. Don't you even know what you're doing to your patients? Well, you know, and, and again, some of it is. And that's, uh, that was my whole point a minute ago is I'm the weirdo patient. We try to explain the concept and they still falter with it. As every medical professional I've ever dealt with falters with it. It's like, mm-hmm. I, and, and like, I have, it's literally listed on my chart. I cannot take Mobic. Common medication. Many people are on it is for and for them it is a wonderful medication that helps them out greatly, or so I've heard. For me, I take it. I get left side numbness and tingling. I called my doctor with this and said I don't know what's going on, but everything's gotten worse since you put me on this medication. And at the time, that doctor was sitting here going okay, that's really weird, and thankfully went off to do some research. 
and they called me back. The, the doctor actually called me back for this one and said, you will not believe how deep into the literature I had to go to find this. You're having an allergic reaction that is so rare it's even debated in the literature as to whether it's statistically relevant to include. Like, mm-hmm. no one has this reaction. You are like one of like a thousand some people. Mm-hmm. I'm like, hi, I tried to tell you in the beginning. Now will you listen? Um, that I don't like. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's genetic. I don't know what the problem is. I don't know if and like we've had this debate. Is it some part of the of like a common thing with some medications that they're using the same ingredient and that's my problem, not the actual meds. Like what's the right. deal? Um, and there's options there. There really are. Um, you know, and it's just. I think traumatic for every doctor I have. Um, that that they, it's like don't deal with the the normal side effects. I'm not going to have those. If I have side effects, they're going to be in the weirdo list. Or it's not just going to be the normal version of the normal side effects. It's going to be some extreme version. Like mm-hmm. I'm not just going to be a little moody. I'm going to be so moody, it is actually probably detrimental in terms of other people are not going to be able to handle that. Um, you know, it's sort of like your comment on if you put him on steroids, <laughs> I want a prescription mm-hmm. for Ativan. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that's for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, and. I think that doctors are so you, and this is what I've said the whole time. Um, they are so scared of insurance companies and lawsuits. And they it's have like, to be. Just fucking do your job and let your insurance well, company pay for it. Well, but ultimately, as they have to be, I because I just on some level, I get it. I'm frustrated by it. I hate it. I don't want it. It's horrible. Mm-hmm. I think it's the one of the biggest problems in healthcare. But I also get it. I do. Mm-hmm. I get that their lives are being ruled by major medical facilities that cast down from on high policies they don't even have to deal with and haven't thought through that they leave their doctors to, to implement and manage and work under. I get that. Mm-hmm. I get that insurance companies have gotten so, so incredibly tedious to deal with um, that they're in this permanent perpetual catch-22, whether or not it's my insurance in terms of getting them paid or their insurance, you know, for malpractice. That the, mm-hmm. They are stuck. And they're mm-hmm. left in the situation that ultimately they're they're having to be highly risk adverse and mm-hmm. very very formulaic in their care. Like you're you're not getting specialized medicine anymore. You're you're getting one size fits all, and we hope to God not to get sued or kill this one. You know, right. and it's 
and I'm sorry, and we and this is actually leading us to our next topic. Um, mm. But you know, I'm looking at it and looking at some of the crap. You know, if your doctor says something to you, go and Google it and type after it, study. I.e., they're finding that such and such red meat is bad for you. That was one study. One study. And now it's gospel. Well, yeah. Well, and so was eggs, and so was this, and so was that. And then you have studies produced by corporations um, to prove their product is not harmful, i.e. the sugar Mm -hmm. debate. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, that that was that's still a huge one that's still screwing people, um, and I get that, um, and it but it is it it as a well, patient and then you have, anymore. Well, and I then mean, you ultimately, have as a patient anymore, I I I I have this waxing nostalgia for the idea. Of being able to just go, Doc, here's my problem. Help me out. And then having a doctor go, well, this is what you need to do. Mm-hmm. That isn't compromised by, you know, kickbacks and pharmaceutical reps and, you know, 500 different medical journals and continuing education credits and, you know, on and on and on. I I think education's great. I think that in many ways there were lots of possibilities here that pharmaceutical mm-hmm. reps could have been very beneficial to doctors. Instead, mm-hmm. it's just become this nightmare. It's a nightmare for my physicians. It's a nightmare for their staff. It is a nightmare for the patient. It is a nightmare for everyone. Right. And I'm and the other part of that is, is Yeah. Right. But the other side of that and the other side that gets mm-hmm. you know tank in tank a lot is mm-hmm. that they're used to being gods. Doctors are gods. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then they run up against me, and I'm like, no, maybe your nurse is. The last time I checked, you haven't been promoted to nothing other than a college loan payment for life. Um, give me your science, and I will read it myself and decide how much money you're making off of it before I'm going to go for it. Um, and Well, and there is that. There is that. Um, but ultimately, doctors are taught that it's not necessarily so much that they think they're gone. It -hmm. comes across that way. I get that. Um, And it comes, and it has long come across that way. Um, And, but it's a simple concept known as cognitive dissonance is Mm -hmm. how do you do your job? If you get so invested in your patient that the negative effect on them from anything going wrong leaves you incapable of moving forward. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's been a long-term debate of, you know, how much, you know, separation do they need? 
Because, no, I don't want a doctor that gets so invested in my care that if something goes wrong, the next person that comes through the door also dies. All right. Because they can't get forward. Like, they can't move. They're now stuck. But I also think there needs to be a level of general human empathy and understanding and consideration. Not, like, look, okay, don't look at the individual and get so attached to the individual that you just can't function. But at least reattach and re-engage to the collective of humanity that you're serving. And really stop to consider, what are you doing here? What, what are you doing? Why are you doing it that way? What, what are you, why are you, how are you thinking that this is going to work? Right. And moreover, they need the latitude to do that even. Because right now, right. it's not even, like, even, even, even if my surgeon sits here and goes, I want to do that. Most likely, he doesn't even have that own authority in his life anymore. He is part of a bigger whole. And that bigger whole is full of assholes that are at the very top, dictating what he should do and think and say and act and what he should prescribe and what he shouldn't prescribe and how he should prescribe it and what he should do with it and how he should do it and what his tolerance level should be for weight and age and on down the line because they are risk adverse. Um, So even if he decides, you know, I hear you, I hear what you're saying, I hear your problem, I see your problem, I understand your problem. I don't even think he has that latitude in his own life anymore. Like, I really don't. I think so many doctors no longer have that latitude um, mm-hmm. that they're they ultimately dictated to as to how they're going to treat their patients. And it's occurring at a, a, a risk-adverse perspective that, you know, right. we're not going to do this because this could happen, and so therefore we're going to dictate to every physician you can't do that anymore, regardless of whether it even makes sense in that situation. Right. Or, you know, whatever the latest fad is. And, you know, and mm-hmm. I take this on a lot. I'm going to clear this up before we even start, gen- you know, mm-hmm. gentle ones. I am not against the, I'm against bariatric. Totally not against oh, yeah. it. Mm-hmm. For someone that needs it. And, you know, when I say need that, you've got to be about a 1,000 pounds. You've got to show, you know, that there is more issues there. Well, ultimately, I I don't want to ever set a weight on it. Um, And this is my perspective. And I'll say it as succinctly as I can, that... I do believe there are people whose lives are greatly benefited by bariatric surgery. I also think it's still a surgery in which you, one, have to be very, 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 very honest about what all the risks 
and complications and issues and problems and situations are that, that someone mm-hmm. who has these surgeries is going to face. Um, I don't think it should be marketed just for cosmetic reasons, you know, or as an unfortunate stumbling block just to get health care. You know, if you're looking at this surgery just because you can't get your doctor to do anything as uh, other than diagnose you as, uh, as fat, that's not the right reason. I understand there are a ton of those doctors out there that will sit there and take every symptom, every issue, every problem that you have and tie it back to your weight. Mm -hmm. But that's not the reason you get the surgery, just to to shut them up on and go, okay, now I'm thin. Now treat me like a thin person. Um, You know, because ultimately that may not work. That may not fix it. That may not take care of the issue. Um, in right. terms of your doctor, um, because then they can still say, "Well, it's from all the years you were obese." You know, you have right. to give and, your and, time, your body time to adjust. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and I think people have to get used to that that you fire doctors. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, ultimately, if we're going to treat healthcare and doctors especially, if we're going to put them in the position that they ultimately work in a situation that is not unlike the um, auto side of Walmart or the Mm -hmm. salon segment of, you know, a chain salon uh, or, you know, the the, uh, – the stylist uh, position within a salon, a major chain salon, in which they're independent contractors that are subject to very specific rules um, as to how that company wants to do business and how they want you to sell their products and if they want you to sell their products and to whom they want you to sell their products and how they want those products sold and what products you would suggest. Um, Mm -hmm. If if that is what we're going to face, then we ultimately have to, as patients, treat our doctors as horrible as the Mm -hmm. idea is to me. Like, you're getting bad haircuts and crappy tires. The mm-hmm. minute that happens, you've got to go somewhere else. Just, right. you're not going to fix it. Like, what they're going to listen to, because it's not the stylist's fault, it's not the mechanic's fault, if they're having to do something they know is incorrect, because corporate tells them they have to, or if they have to sell you a product they know is going to cause you problems, um, because corporate tells you tells them they have to, then you ultimately mm-hmm. have to run away from the corporate and find a corporate or an independent who is literally on their own that right. will at least mesh up to what you need. That will at least sit 
here and work within the confines of of their screwed up system, or mm-hmm. will ultimately you know shuck it and just say, "Look, here's the reality." Corporate says, "I'm supposed to tell you this. That's not what you need to buy. That's not what you need to do. You need to do this." Like, you can buy the $50 product on the shelf, or you can go home, mix these three common household ingredients together, and your hair will be fine. Or you can buy the $50 product that basically contains those ingredients, plus some other crap that's actually going to make your situation worse. And keep coming back to me ticked off because it's getting worse. You know, or some right. variation thereof. Um, you know, you have to act like that. Like, that's all we've got left. That's all we've got left in terms of trying to manage the system and manage our health care and deal with our physicians and deal with our providers is start treating them that way. And hopefully, when enough people walk away, they'll get it. At least corporate will get it at some point. We're having a problem. Granted, their solution is going to be to, you know, slash prices, hand out coupons, or do whatever. Um, even mm-hmm. once there is, um, you know, look for patients in different ways, or you know, be the better, you know, value for the insurance company, whatever. Um, right. Or, in the case of WVU, just buy an insurance company and pick off mm-hmm. that mistake. But, yes, right. as far as bariatrics go, I do think within that you do have to, one, as the patient looking at this, you can't be desperate. Don't ever feel desperate. Like, if you're going into this feeling desperate, you're about to get screwed. More than likely. Because this is a high-value, high-dollar industry. They're, you know, a third, at least in West Virginia, it's something like a third of us are obese. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of potential surgery candidates. That's a lot of money. That opens doors for a lot of companies to spring up. That opens mm-hmm. doors for a lot of very bad people to enter this market segment and start offering their services and not necessarily be the best solution for anyone, let alone you or me or, you know, whomever. Um, I know people who've gone through this, and um, it's horrific. Um, especially with bariatrics, because you're 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 really working hard on people's emotions in this situation, and people that have already been hurt and burned so many times. Um, right. You know, and I between don't like. gym memberships and diet drugs and you know diet plans and food subscriptions and. You know, and then they go to their doctor, and they get browbeaten, they go home, they get browbeaten, they go out in public, they get browbeaten, they watch television, they get browbeaten, um, on and on and on and on and on and on and on. And then hit the point where they they get into 
program that is supposedly going to miraculously get their insurance to pay for the surgery, runs them through a gambit of weight loss and this and that and doctor's appointments and weigh-ins and food journals and, you know, mental health and on down the line, just to pull the plug at the last second and go, wow, you've devoted two years of your life to this. Your insurance company has denied the surgery. If you would like to move forward, which is really important for your health, um, you know, we'll only need about 75 or whatever thousand dollars um, to help you out. Otherwise, don't come back. You know, right. slam the door. The only people that have ever actually seemed nice are now slamming the door in their face and calling them a failure if they can't come up with the money. It's what it is. No, it's not usually quite so direct. But ultimately, you're told if you care about your health, if you want to live, then maybe you need to consider a mortgage. Maybe you need to consider taking the money out of your 401k. Maybe your parents can do that for you and get a home equity line of credit. Maybe you should max out a credit card if you want to live. That's not health care. No, that's not health care. That's far from not health care. Um, and, you know, there are a lot of situations where bariatric can help. Bariatric is useful. Bariatric should be employed. But when you're, you know, my size, no. No. Not needed. Shouldn't no. be done. Shouldn't even be looked at. Um, and I see it all the time, and it's like, what are you doing? Why well, are you doing well, and then there are those patients that are vanity. Uh-huh. Like their doctor's not telling them to come in and get weight loss surgery. No, like they don't have major health problems. They just want the surgery to, to look better. They have the disposable money. They're going to go do it. They're going to act like idiots all the way through it. Um, and, you know, it may or may not work. It, or in terms of as a giving them what they want, um, because right. it's cosmetic. You're you're looking to lose right. vanity weight. It's not negatively impacting your health. You do not have high blood pressure. You do not have a you know any of the litany of problems. They're all magically mm-hmm. tied to weight. Um and. and That's without even getting into the argument of whether all those are actually weight-related or not. That's a whole show in itself. Um, But it's not medical-based. It's not even bad medical-based. It's just, I want to be skinny. I want to be pretty. Then go get liposuction. You know, um, but it, but there are there are very 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 valid situations in which it's like your your weight is killing you. It is literally killing you. 
Um, and it's clear and obvious and apparent to everyone, including your doctor, that there's no way for you to survive long term. That, you know, if you're looking at the potentiality that this surgery could go sideways and kill you, but ultimately in five years, you ain't going to make it anyway. Like, mm-hmm. you don't have another five years because of your weight, your size, your declining health. Um, mm-hmm. Then, yes, for the love of God, get the surgery. Um, you know, make but it, do it happen. responsibly. Right. You know, I think, um, that, you know, whenever they introduced BMI, it got stupid. Mm-hmm. People got stupid. Healthcare got stupid. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know. and, and it wasn't even necessarily BMI exactly. Um, it was the multiple studies that linked obesity um, <clears throat> to um, morbidity um, and, and ultimately termed, uh, created the term morbid obesity. Um, right. In which um, yes, there are segments of the population that um, will ultimately die um, from a variety of medical problems. And I, I know this was the getting into a whole another show, but touching base on it, there are um, a much higher risk. I still argue and will forever argue this has more to do with your Position and how they were trained and how the majority of them are trained, which is to look at a patient who is fat, call them a lost cause, because obvious, quote unquote, obviously they don't care about their health. So why should you? Write them a script for whatever they're bitching about, tell them to diet and exercise, and next patient. You know, get me to the one I can actually do something for. Um, and that seems to be the prevalent attitude. And within no, that you framework, you have a problem. You have you have major risk. You know, if your right. doctor's not going to bother doing a freaking colon screening or your doctor's not going to bother doing a mammogram because obviously they don't care if you die in the next five minutes because – in their mind, you're going to walk out of here and go have, you know, a heart attack on a platter followed by, you know, three coronaries um, in terms of food consumption because they're judging your diet based on your uh, weight and whatnot. Then their opinion becomes, why should they invest effort into trying to figure out if you have something else going on? Ultimately, mm-hmm. here's your script, go away. You'll die anyway, what is it matter? You know. Right. Um, and it's a horrible way to approach medicine. It's a horrible way for people to have to try to navigate through health care. And it's a horrible idea to put people in the position that, based on their tolerance, their doctor's tolerance level, um, concerning BMI, um, that they may or may not be able to get to a physician that will get it 
and go look, right. like forget what you think you know, and go actually investigate what I'm telling you. Listen to me. Pay attention to me. I'm trying to get medical care here. I'm trying to live. I'm trying to be healthy. Help me. Mm-hmm. Um, and break through that wall. Um, right. But again, like I said, that's a whole other show. That's a whole other um, but it is but, you know, a large part of the bariatric problem is you mm-hmm. have a second set of patients that are there because they just want their doctors to shut up about their fucking weight and listen. You know, treat yeah. me. Investigate my problems. Help me. You know, like I could live a better life if only I could get a doctor who would just shut up about my mm-hmm. fucking weight and actually investigate my problem. Um, and I've been there. I have been there. And we have had that conversation on the show that I was so misdiagnosed in the beginning. Um, and I'm li- I was literally walking around, and more importantly, getting in a car and driving around um, with a neck in a situation that one could rear ending, and I mean that in a car, and I would be paralyzed potentially from the neck down. All because a doctor, instead of listening to what I'm saying, instead of listening to what physical therapy tried to tell him, instead of listening, went, well, you're fat, lose some weight, your problem will go away. Next patient. I'm still infuriated, as I should be, that... I nearly lost so much quality of life based on a doctor who just thought I was too fat to live. Ultimately, ultimately, that's what this doctor effectively told me. You're too fat to live. Well, yeah, at the point in which I'm going, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You know, you're not listening. You're not paying attention. You're not hearing these people trying to tell you this isn't the right thing. Can we please investigate this? Yeah, no, he didn't want to hear it. Not at all. Not at all. That, you know, I'm bucking the system. I'm non-compliant, whatever. I don't even want to know what my chart said at that point. But ultimately, um, was the impetus for me to go, that's it, I'm done, I can't take this anymore. You know, I thought I'd found a good doctor in that one. And, you know, ultimately did get me to a good doctor who said, okay, you know, who could look past and could hear past, you know, my size and go, well, okay, you're right. That doesn't make any sense. And wait a minute, you've got physical therapists telling you something is wrong. Let's go investigate that. And it's like, I think I'm going to cry. I really mm-hmm. think I'm going to cry right now. Because this is all I needed. This is all I've been begging for. This is all I've been asking for. I didn't even know I was asking and begging for it until someone actually did it. And it was like, okay. Well, obviously, you know, this isn't your problem. That's not your problem. Most likely that's not your problem either. 
but let's go figure out what this is. And it's like, mm-hmm. who are you and what have you done with medical, you know, your medical training? Did you just take the book and throw it out the window? Because compared to what I've gone through, this is new and different. Mm-hmm. This is new and different. Thank you yeah. for listening. Yeah. But, and, you know, I like it that the one that we've gotten with mm-hmm. doesn't think his patients are dumb. Notice not to underestimate me because he got that figured out the first visit. Um, and I hate to say this, doesn't offer stupid shit. Because he knows how long well, you're you know, how are you getting out of that? Yeah. What's the cut here? I think the, I think the more important part for trying to explain working with our current physician is that he's approaching this from, I'm here to make your life better. Obviously, you're here because you have a problem not making your life better. Or, moreover, you have a problem that is making your life bad. Like, I don't think you just showed up because you don't have anything else better to do today. Um, so what can I do to help? How can I help? What can I apply to this situation? Who can, like, what do what can I possibly do to help you get where you want to be? Right. You know, even if that's going to be... 500 pounds, but living a wonderful life. Right. Like, I really don't think he would have a problem if I'd shown up 500 pounds and been like, look, my life's great except for this. This is a little bad. I think he would still have focused on, okay, well, let's fix it. What can we, if we can fix it, let's fix it. Um, right. And I, that's, that's why people go to doctors. Like, why is that such a, like, magical, radical thought at this point? I don't get it. I'm here because some part of my life sucks, and I would like help with that. And instead of taking this tangential thing that's probably maybe not even related, and most likely isn't at this point, as I'm finding out, Instead of making that your focus and going with the easy, like, you're not going to be able to fix this in the next 20 minutes. So, you know, bye, be in six months where you'll continue to complain about this, and I'll continue to tell you to do this, and we'll just go round and round for a few years, and I'll collect your, you know, insurance money. Um, Let's actually fix it. Let's, or if it can be fixed, or let's, Rule out everything else it could be. Yeah, and rule out everything that it could even not be. Because, I'm sorry, honey, some of the things that we have faced, it's Mm -hmm. like, are you an idiot? Read them, you know, here is 20 studies that say that you're an idiot. You know, let me see your nurse. Let's talk her. Yeah. Well, and that was actually one of the issues I, I like in that previous doctor's office I ran into. And we, again, I think have discussed that was I ended up on blood pressure medication I didn't need. 
solely because they're using a blood pressure machine to do my blood pressure, as well as coupling that with the um, regular cuff that doesn't fit me. So suddenly I have this higher blood pressure than it actually is. Um, and then turn around and layer on there the quote-unquote new American Heart Association guidelines for blood pressure that this... They're not a medical representative. They're not well, even yeah. a medical sense. They're a charity. I know. Oh, yeah. But, but more importantly, more importantly, that they misinterpreted and got really, really gung-ho on writing scripts mm-hmm. for blood pressure meds. So right. even with the inaccurate reading and the slightly elevated blood pressure that it produced, I was still supposed to have only been in a watch and see category, and instead they wrote me blood pressure pills. So, of course, you know, my stupid self took them and had a horrible July 4th a couple years ago, or a year ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah, year and change Mm -hmm. ago. And had a lovely Um, discussion with Yeah. And meanwhile, I still go into this doctor's office after this point thinking, okay, you know what? People make mistakes. It was well-intentioned. You know, I'm trying to be devil's advocate here. You know, well, they were Mm well-intentioned. And I'm trying to explain the situation and what happened, and they're just looking at me like, oh, well, I guess if you, you know, just that kind of, well, if you don't want to live, then don't take the meds. And it's like, are you understanding you damn near killed me? Mm-hmm. Oi. You know, oh. do you understand you're not using proper equipment? Do you understand that? And they're like, oh, whatever. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, I think we need to take a break. Because we can sit here and bash this one over the head with a dead horse connected to a dead horse. I mean, it's horrible. And it shouldn't occur. And then I'll take the thumbs out and use them, you know, to make glue that we can use for surgical that isn't rubber-based. But anyhow, uh, let's take a break. When we back, we're going to be talking about a few other things that are hit my news feed, hit my listening ears, and even hit my desk. Yeah, really? Do you like a little more grrrr with your coffee? Then tune in to Mountain Bears here on Blog Talk on Friday nights at 9 p.m., for the latest in LGBT topics, current events, and technology. Every Friday night, we'll be here. Join us as the Mountain Bears explore these topics and more. So I'm a cat, and I just moved in with this new human, and she's got this little toy she's always playing with, all day long. Tap, 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 bloop, bloop. She can't put it down. There it is. Oh, and get this. She even talks to it. Last week, she asked it for Chinese, and guess what? Egg rolls showed up like magic. Humans have cool toys. A person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. 
Brought to you by the Ad Council and the ShelterPetProject.org. We hope you're enjoying this free content on the Psychic Coffee Shop Network. For behind-the-scenes footage, extra content, and more, consider becoming a Psychic Coffee Shop barista. Your tall, grande, or venti pledge on Patreon comes feature-packed and helps us keep providing more of the content you love. For more information on supporting us through Patreon, check out our website at pcspnetwork.com. Hi, welcome, relax, have a cup of your favorite topics with your host Ace and Knight. There's nothing like a good conversation to warm your soul and give your spirit a break now and then. Ace has such a wonderful way of exploring topics like psychic phenomena, important topics in our daily lives from a psychic's point of view, and you never know who else will stop by live on Blog Talk Radio. So come on in. We made a fresh cup of Java just for you. Finding a reader is hard. You've tuned into the show and you've thought about calling in, but what you'd really like to discuss is personal or private? Amanda Renzi has over 35 years of experience as a psychic consultant and 20 years reading tarot. With a warm personality, she is a caring and gifted reader who is ready to tackle any issues or concerns that you have. You can have a traditional tarot reading, or she can use her custom-created Serengeti Stones to provide amazing insights into your life, your situation, and those around you. Book an appointment with Amanda today. Call 304-729-4344. You can also check out her profile and more at pcspnetwork.com. Amanda Renzi Reading. She's here for you. Hi, I'm Rain. And this is Raven Wind, and we're the Feather and Bone Podcast. Two witches talking about everything witchy and nothing at all. We consider ourselves to be energy-based spiritualists, non-traditionalists, and decidedly not Wiccan. Our views on magic and life in general don't align with other pagans in the community, but we have a live-and-let-live outlook on life. So if you want to learn something new while laughing a whole lot, you can find links to our podcast, Facebook page, products, and purchase tarot readings at featherandbone.net. As a busy modern woman, I'm constantly on the go. Having to make multiple stops while I'm out shopping or getting things done just doesn't work for me. That's why I love going to the Crystal Lotus Shop for every one of my metaphysical needs. They have all the basics like stones, candles, sage, plus they carry jewelry, herbs, cards, a variety of unique gifts, and several other items you're probably looking for. Uh Uh-oh, sounds like my husband's old college injury flared up again. That's okay. I can count on the team of healers at the Crystal Lotus to fix him right up. They offer massage, Reiki, Kalamni, as well as other energy modalities, all performed by licensed, highly trained, and gifted practitioners. And while he's being taken care of, I'll sit down and get some guidance by one of their accomplished psychic readers. Oh, and did I mention they do custom orders and have gift certificates as well? They even offer yoga several days a week for all levels of experience. Plus, the last Saturday of every month, they have Psychic Saturday, where they offer discounts on readings as well as many healing sessions. Stop in to meet Shauna and the rest of the family there. They're located at 89 Old Main Plaza in St. Albans, where the Loop Pharmacy used to be. Or give them a call at 304-729-8055. 
Crystal Lotus, taking the spirit where the body cannot go. You're listening to the Psychic Coffee Shop Podcast Network. Choosing a psychic is hard, and you don't want to waste time finding one that's right for you. You've thought about calling into the show, but you want more privacy than that? With services from phone, email, chat, text, and his network availability, you need to check out Asen's website at asennight.com. Just a few clicks and you can have your own personal, private psychic reading. On asennight.com, you can also find out about VIP packages, scheduling parties and events, and signing up for his classes. What are you waiting for? Talk to Asen today. Welcome back. That break flew by very quickly. Wow. Yeah. That it did. That it did. That it did. So, you know, just update everyone on Pig and Fry. It was a little bit of a success. I was a little disappointed. Um, A little disappointed? Okay. You're going to describe Saturday as... Oh... Oh, understatements of the year. Holy hell. Can I just say, there was a point on Saturday that we were talking, and I'm like, he's never going to do another event. Like, mm-hmm. you are, like, I was determined. I, like, we, because, okay. So, typically, when you've gone off to do events, and I'm not there, you go in, you rock it, I don't hear from you all day, it's, you know, glorious. Uh, No, it's not. Um, It's actually very lonely for me, but, I like, I'm used to it, it's cool, whatever, that's what you do. Um, You go in, you rock the event, you do the event, I hear from you when the event's over. Or maybe you'll check in. Um, but it's typically, you know, flyby. It's like, hey, how's it going? It's fine, you know, blah, 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 and you're gone. No. And I'm used to that. That is not at all how Saturday went. Oh, no. Saturday did not go that yeah. way. Um, we had protesters, bad protesters, but protesters um, that targeted me because I'm the easy target. You know, because we've got artisans and we've got crafters, and then you have the tarot reader. Yeah, um, so you're you're obviously the, the. I'm sorry, what were the terms? Um, because I'm I sorry, I think it's worth going there. Okay, I am, uh, and of course, you know, I'm dressed my normal self. I'm flamboyant. I'm moving my hands. I'm talking. So I'm the pedophile, homosexual devil. Demon incarnate high priest joke worshiping a dead god. And let me point out, it's not like they just walked up and politely said it just like he lit me did it off. 
These are being screamed at him uh-huh. all day long. How long was this event? Um, they were there at 8. I didn't arrive until fashionably at 10. And we didn't leave till 6. And they only took a lunch break. Yeah. So, so 10 to 6 with a lunch break, thank God. Um, you know, or deity of choice. Um, so ten to six, he is having this this screamed at him. Other people are having to deal with being screamed at, um, because they they ended up at one point in someone's booth, or was it multiple booths? Multiple booths. They came into multiple booths. They came in. Um, tried to call scene, tried to run patients or um, patients. Okay. Sorry, having to switch gears. They're not patients, but having to run customers away, trying to run customers away, trying to defeat customers, um, trying to, you know, they were just doing anything they could. They provided entertainment mm-hmm. all day with their music. What I felt weird was some of the music they played, I've actually played at Circle before. You know, like May the Circle Be Unbroken, um, and the other songs, and it's like, wow. Yeah. Well, yeah. and meanwhile, I'm sitting here hearing this, and, and okay, I, I will go ahead and admit to there was a brief part of my day in which I was like, well, it's probably not that bad. Mm-hmm. And then you Facebooked. And that was the first, like, that was the first, like, hour or so you, you, you're you telling me about this. And I'm like, oh, it can't be that bad. You know, like, mm-hmm. I understand this is an event. It's being protested. That's always bad. No one ever enjoys that, you know. But how bad could it be? Then I found their live stream because the protesters are live streaming. Through Facebook. So there's video. <laughs> and I'm just sitting here watching this going, oh, hell. You know, they, they, you know, I thought, okay, maybe they've shown up and they're screaming this. Maybe they've shown up and they also have a megaphone. Maybe they've shown up and they have really ugly signs and they're pestering people and, Okay, I've dealt with hecklers and protesters, and I, I've dealt with this. I've dealt with this, you know, LGBT student or we've been to events. It wasn't always pretty. I, I've dealt with some crap. Um, and generally, it's like, okay, whatever, there's protesters, just ignore them. It's fine. Um, yeah, these were the type that show up and they don't just have a megaphone. They have a public address system. We're not just yeah. talking about the tailgate Someone speaker with a microphone. We are talking the Oh yeah, the major stereo speaker very clear sound system. Mm. And they are Drowning this event in negativity. 
Um, and just, oh, wow. And they're live streaming, and they're being cheered on by the people watching the live stream. And there's a lot of people watching this live stream. It was actually surprising. Um, and so I'm sitting there, and I'm like, oh, it's actually worse than what he said. Um, you know, also because I'm watching the live stream, and I'm also seeing the stuff they're doing that maybe you weren't. Or that you might have only seen from a distance and really didn't catch. You know, that they're standing there and as people have parked and they're walking towards the event, you know, they're telling them stuff like, brother, there's nothing you want over there, you know, that they'll, they'll you know, and, and just like, you know, your kids don't belong over there, you don't want to take children over there, they're, you know, on and on and on and on and on and on and on. Um, and like, and then also seeing the other side of this, because there's one point in which the event organizer goes over and wow, the restraint, um, but uh, the, the person holding the camera is literally making fun of them the whole time. Like, not loud enough that I think that he heard him, but this is going out in the street. You know, that, oh, here comes their priest, you know, blah, 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 and, you know, just snickering and, you know, snide remarks. And I'm just sitting here going, one, this is the, the most Christianly unchristian thing that I, I've ever witnessed in terms of, and have we brought it up on the show that I, I've been in that situation where I was attending a church in my misguided youth, and I'm attending this church, the Baptist church, and um, there was this group of old ladies that were horrible people is what I ultimately came to learn. And they basically thought of us as trash. And I learned at this, like a very young age, that because my parents weren't members of the church and we were those children um, that they went and picked, that the church picked up or came with others that were brought to the church, um, that because our parents weren't members, we were the trash that they were hoping mm-hmm. to redeem. Um, you know, my first realization how absolutely horrible churches can be in general, um, but just like the, the realities of it, that, that this is how this works, that there are people walking the planet that think of hum- other human beings as just trash. And I don't mean that as in they are trashy and doing, you know, horrible things, but are literal human weights that, you know, this is some kind of, like, cutesy little arts and crafts project for them. You know, turning Mm -hmm. trash into treasure for Jesus um, is how they think of it. Um, 
and it's it's very crude and horrible and ugly how they talk about people and act towards them when they think that either no one's listening or the only people mm-hmm. that are going to hear it are people who are going to agree with them. And, and mm-hmm. it's not even that exactly as much as they, the, this moral superiority that they feel they are so right in their assessment. And you're just sitting there, and it's just so cringy and ugly, and it's, oh, how do you talk about people like this? Is what I'm hearing. Right. And I'm going, oh, this is so much worse than you realize. And I'm sitting there and I'm going, I really don't want to tell you how bad it was. Um, well, I knew how bad but, it was. Yeah. Uh, you know, I knew how I, bad it was. I don't need you worrying over me um, at an event. Um, and I didn't need, you know, and it's one of those. I was probably all good throughout the day. You know, I'm used to the white noise. I'm used to the heckling. This ain't my first pride event. You know, I wanted to yell across, can y'all go take some classes? But what I was really proud of is the community. The community themselves, the pagan community, the Buddhist community, you know, everyone that showed up was really focused on what we were there for. A few of them had some issues, but, you know, and those were issues being caused by the people across the street. But we just moved on like, oh, whatever. Well, that's cute. Let the police handle them. Um, Which I want to give a shout out to St. Albans Police. They were awesome. Oh, most definitely. Most definitely to the St. Albans Police. They were awesome. But I don't necessarily think it was even that level. Like, I don't want to diminish, but I don't know that in the beginning, at least, that it was so much mm-hmm. the community was sitting there going, okay, we're just going to focus on what we're here for. You know, protesters suck. Oh, well, you know, let's just keep moving. What I got, what I saw was almost this moment of flabbergasted. That it it was, and I don't mean that in a way in which, like, I'm trying to not sound diminishing. Because the uh, the response of the pagan community was awesome. But there was an original moment there where I'm watching, like, and again, I'm watching, like, a lot of the video from the event because, of course, I can't be there but and didn't experience it firsthand. Um, but I'm watching some of the different videos that came out of this. And from the pagan side, it's just this moment where, like, I think there was, in the beginning, this kind of temporary disbelief that, like, did they not guess how absolutely asininely ridiculous this is that they've shown up to a pagan event to protest and at this point they're sounding like everything they accuse us of 
Like, they sound like the people who are going to go sacrifice and abuse children later. And we're scaring like, children. They sound like, yeah, and scaring children more importantly. But, you know, the, 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 like, they're sitting there talking about us and, and, and describing us and, you know, have done so forever. Um, uh, you know, as this horrible group of nasty people that just are this malignancy in humanity. And yet, they're standing across the street acting like everything they accuse us of. Right. Like the, it, so it did. Uh, like, a lot of the earlier in the day stuff is just this, like, could someone go hold up a mirror like, can, so they can see themselves right now? Like, are, and I think there was almost a moment, like, at some point the light bulb has to kick on for them. Because, God, do you know what we sound like? Like, mm-hmm. we sound like the worst trash on the planet. Right. But and that... That only lasted for like a couple of hours, right? And I think that was right about the point that I was that right around the point where they like started approaching booths and getting all up in the event. Yeah, and the police had was to like a couple them hours back to their side of the street. Oh yeah, and you know tell them do not come over there if you are not going to be hospitable. And we even invited them. You know, because that's what pride is about. You know, for ages now, you know, we hear a lot of people going, well, why do you need pride? We need pride to educate the ones that are there because they don't know <laughs> they are there. Yeah. Oh, well, this yeah, is what we that. do. There's... This is how we do it. Um, yeah. You know, and, no, you know, so... yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, we invited them to closing ritual. We invited them to opening ritual. I've done a very lovely interfaith, inter-traditional ritual. Um, and, you know, it was an honor to, give the, to be the first to have opening, to, you know, preside over opening and closing. Um, I wasn't the organizer of this one. I have one event I organized. That's it. That's all we can handle. Um which will be ramping up in October, right after October attacks. So, you know, things, you know, you know, Colin done wonderful. He, uh, you know, and he's saying he's done this for the community and it wasn't him, it was us. Sorry, I do this. I know this. I've used this. I've worked these events. I've been everything from the gopher to the planner to the event coordinator to the receptionist. Um, mm-hmm. And it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of showing up to meetings that you don't really care about, um, you know, like parks and racks and everything else, because you have to get through all this. Um, and we learned a lot this year. We'll learn a lot next year. Um, but it was a great oh, yeah. first year event. And, you know, people thought mm-hmm. there'd be like 10 or 20. We actually probably had about 400 people through. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, ultimately the event was fine, but, like, that progression through the day, because, like, the first two hours there was disbelief. Mm-hmm. And then there was the, 
I don't know what else to call it, but the attack, the, mm-hmm. the vendor booth attack, um, right. in which, like, then it all switched to, like, mortify. Mm-hmm. Just this total, like, what is my life? Where am I at? What am I doing? What just happened? I cannot believe mm-hmm. that this is happening right now. Right. And then I, I'm assuming after that they ramped up across the street. Like, I think the microphones got oh, cut off at that point. The Didn't microphones they? got cut off at that point. They stopped needing the microphones. Yeah. And that was because a neighbor issued a sound complaint. It wasn't even us. It was yeah, the neighbor. Like the neighbor, the yeah, neighbor this said, is a park right across from off. the neighborhood, a very dense neighborhood. Um, yes. Yeah. So then it became like this constant screaming onslaught of, you know, just nonstop uh, stuff at mm-hmm. people. And then, of course, like the tent walls go up. And I think everyone probably initially had to do a step back after this day was over. Like, I don't think you were the only one that had a moment. Um, no, we all we all had a moment. Everyone what the had hell? Because there's this progression through the end towards the end of the event to the end of the event where there's like a weariness. In which it's like, I just want this day to be over. Like, mm-hmm. tomorrow's going to be okay. I'll be okay tomorrow. I'll survive this. I'm okay. But I need out of here. Like, right. because, quite frankly, no one should go through that. Like, no one should have to deal with what y'all were dealing with for that right. many hours. Like, because even I had to stop myself. Because when it was like, okay, there's protesters, and I'm going, "Ah, I've dealt with protesters, you'll be fine, it's fine, yeah, they'll say horrible things, it's okay, you can ignore them. I was forgetting something, which is when I've had to deal with that situation, it's been for like two, three, four hours. Not ten to six. I've not had to deal with a group of people just nonstop for that many hours. And I was not taking into account that anyone's going to get weary after, like, a few hours you can handle. Anyone can handle that. You just buck it up. Just buckle in, buttercup. It's going to happen. You're going to have to deal with it. Just suck it up. Mm -hmm. You'll plow through. It'll be okay. You know, sticks and stones, blah, blah, blah. It'll be all right. And I forgot in there that, okay, but no, after a few hours, this just gets really weary. Right. Um, and so, yeah. I and think then that's in- what they were hoping for. Well, they were well, hoping for vendors no, to pack I'm... up, just pack up. Um, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what they're hoping for. Is they're hoping people will leave in horror and embarrassed. Which I don't think, did anyone actually do that? Like, um, nobody left in for embarrassment. 
a few did have to leave, but that's because they had panic disorders, and these people were literally setting off people's panic disorders. Yeah. Like, Which, understandable, and I don't blame anyone for exiting that situation. You know. Like, take care of yourself. Um, nor should anyone blame anyone in that situation. Um, but as for people leaving and suddenly having a crisis of faith and going, you know, like they didn't succeed ultimately. Well, and they didn't really seem to push that many people out of the event. Like right. the map props to the community that the event is for is right. that, that these are people who are really in it. Like they're they're right. sitting here and they know themselves and they know their beliefs and they they are willing to take the discomfort. Well, not only and that, that's the only the question of faith, and and I'm not even sure it was a question of faith. The organizer's mm-hmm. wife is not pagan, was not pagan, probably isn't pagan now. We don't care. She's awesome. Um, but I think she got a good look at, you know, what her people were spewing out and went, oh, my God, what the hell do you think you're doing? At what planet do you think it's your religion? I will jump in and, and just say something here. I don't think she would ever call those her people. I right. think more importantly, she's sitting here going, these are the wackadoodles that mm-hmm. my people get associated with because we, unfortunately, supposedly have the same beliefs, yet they are mm-hmm. nothing alike. And, yeah, it sounded like ultimately she wasn't having a crisis of faith. She was having a crisis of this ain't my faith community, get the hell out of my neighborhood and quit using my name. Right. Um, but yeah, yeah. Um, oh, but she but was, was awesome. There were lots of them were awesome. Um, oh yeah, it, and that that was the hard really thing for, I think to um get mm-hmm. was that we weren't all the same faith. I mean, we had Buddhists, we had Hindus, we had Christian witches traditional witches, ethnical witches. We had a little bit of everybody there. That, and I almost I almost said, you know, everyone but Christians, but we had a ton of Christians there. I'm like, what mm-hmm. the heck, you know, where the heck do you get off doing this? Um, yeah. You know. Unfortunately, and, you didn't have your token atheist there. I did not have you, but I, we did have a few token atheists. We had a few lovely people there, um, but not you. You you'll be there next year, I'm sure. Um, yes, we are coming back. Um, not in that location, but it has nothing to do with us or the location itself. It has to do with um, the park is being transformed into the park originally was built for was supposed to be housing mm-hmm. um, and then now they're going and then oh yeah World War II ended so they created this park because they didn't need the housing mm-hmm. for the soldiers 
Um, and then now it's going to become an ambulance dispatch center, so we'll have to get another park. You know, we may be at Cumberland Field, we may be at another city park there, but yes, the event's coming back. Yes, we're going to do what, you know, we always do, which is educate, help, build, whatever we can do within it. And then we're going to go and, you know, you know, drop some more stuff off at the food kitchen. Um, because it's the other part of Pagan Pride, and it's something I wish Gay Pride would do, which is we donate to the food kitchen, we donate to, you know, it goes somewhere. Um, mm-hmm. but, and, you know, St. Albans is having a large problem out of, and it's not a problem, it's just a fact of situation. Um, they're having a large issue with homeless population, you know, and unfortunately their food kitchen is way understaffed, way understocked, not getting enough grants. So, of course, all the food, food donations went to the uh, soup kitchen there, um, which I believe well, actually surprised all the way county. Yeah. That's not even just St. Albans. West Virginia just popped up as um, I believe it's um, we're in the top for the poorest and we're in the top for the hungriest. Um, We'll get that out on the page later after the show. Um, But no, I was reading a little bit about that before the show. I was, it was kind of a tangential thing. Um, But no, we are literally in the uh, top state for being, the most poverty-stricken, as well as being the most uh, food insecure. You know, this isn't just a St. Albans or a Charleston or a Charleston Metro or whatever, um, or Southern West Virginia or a Western West Virginia or whatever. It's not just that. The whole state is under massive stress right now. Right. Um, Which has been. Right. which blows my mind. Um, and the reason it blows my mind is, you know, well, yes, we cannot grow major food consumption. We cannot grow mm-hmm. 20 miles of grain or anything. But mm-hmm. big gardens used to be a big thing here. And there's a lot of people that have a lot of lungs. And well, I it, think that it's we've not that people, that people are not doing. It. Well, and there are I'm very well, and we know a few that are running active farms and are um, you know have active gardens. Um, mm-hmm. And ultimately, while that helps and while that does a lot, mm-hmm. um, that doesn't always translate out. Um, we have large, even for West Virginia, we have a large urban center. Um, mm-hmm. And in a lot of those, you don't have anywhere to do that at. Um, right. You know, if you're talking about you're living in a city, in an apartment, and, you know, you don't have room for that. You don't get that right. option. That's a luxury. Um, grass mm-hmm. in some areas is a luxury. Um, you know, so ultimately there are large 
percentage of the population in West Virginia is is food insecure, um, even though they're living in an area that would hopefully promote them being able to be um, employed. I mean, we can sit here and talk about the unfortunate nature of McDowell, Wyoming, and uh, counties specifically, uh, two of the worst or the, the most struggling counties in the state. Um, but and in those areas, you're more likely to have land to do a garden. But at the same time, if you're living there, there's no employment coming. Like there's just right. there's not, um, you know, and, and it's a chicken and egg problem. What do you want to solve first? Um, and ultimately, those areas are slowly or rapidly um, collapsing. Their local governments are failing. Their police departments are unfunded. They're shuttering. Um, right. If that's not your first sign, you're not getting jobs. I don't know what else to tell you. Um, mm-hmm. If you're unincorporated or you're losing your incorporation, you're losing city services like police, fire, um, et cetera, um, you're, that's not really attractive to business. Right. That's not attractive to people moving in. That's kind of the exit sign. Big, neon, flashing exit sign. Um, but that that's a large part of what's happening in West Virginia is we have a massive unemployment problem, and it's not going away, and it's not being addressed, and it's not being fixed. Um, and it's leading to a massive, massive problem um, in terms of food. One of the most basic necessities Necessities for human life. Food. We can't feed people. We can't get people jobs that will let them feed themselves. Mm-hmm. That and is, that is that you know we need to be addressing. That is something that the community needs to get back to doing. Mm-hmm. You know, instead of protesting another religious day's event, go work a food kitchen. Mm-hmm. You know, go help the homeless. Go do something that is more important. beneficial. Get donations that your religious organization is getting to support your street ministry, screaming, you know, demon fag and everything else at a group of peaceful little pagans in a park trying to have a festival to and a fun day for, you know, and a learning day and a, a community day for uh, mm-hmm. everyone, instead of taking the money, the money donated to your ministry to go protest this and take the back slap for all the wonderful things you're doing for God, why don't you take that money why don't you take that money? More importantly, if you're the person donating, why don't you take your money and go put it somewhere that actually helps, that does something? I mean, hi, you have like you're going to sit here and protest a pagan organization that spent part of its day collecting a food donation to donate to a food pantry. 
and you stood on the street screaming obscenities and slapping yourself on the back about what good little Christians you were. Mm-hmm. Boy. You know, yeah. right. And, you know, one of the, well, I don't think she made an appearance, but one of the, you know, pop stars, as I call them, happens to work for another what? church that has a seat. And I'm like, what? Yeah. Yeah, that was the, the uh, uh, drop kick. Uh, to the gut, I think for everyone is is yeah, yeah. The person yeah. who yeah. who created this situation for your for the event um, was ultimately someone that I don't want to necessarily say this event works with, but the community as a whole uh, works with. Um, an employee for them um, who, who went out of her way to bring this protest. Mm-hmm. All because she works for a church she is not a member of, is a member of a totally different church, a fun little group of evangelicals, um, but she's employed by a church that the pagan community works with. Um, mm-hmm. And her religious beliefs um, apparently were more important and so ill-informed that she thought this was how she helped. Mm-hmm. But uh, we're out of time. For those out there, take time. Go clean out your pantry. Take it to the food pantry before it expires. And we'll see you next week. Mm-hmm. Have a great night, y'all. Good night, y'all. Good night, everyone. Good night. Choosing a psychic is hard, and you don't want to waste time finding one that's right for you. You've thought about calling into the show, but you want more privacy than that? With services from phone, email, chat, text, and his network availability, you need to check out Asen's website at asennight.com. Just a few clicks and you can have your own personal, private psychic reading. On asennight.com, you can also find out about VIP packages, scheduling parties and events, and signing up for his classes. What are you waiting for? Talk to Asen today. You're listening to the Psychic Coffee Shop Podcast Network.